And we are recording. Okay, so uh, first things first, uh, thank you for, for being here this morning. And second of all, uh, thank you for being flexible. As, we're, as you can see, we're still in the sanctuary here. This is going to be our last week in the sanctuary. So starting next week, we're going to move back to the gathering room. That's when Paul Lim's class is going to start back up. And, and so uh, we should uh, uh, have a, a, a manageable crowd size for, for that room. There goes my my podium. Uh, and second of all, uh, great to be back. I've been away all week, uh, enjoying vacation, uh, and um, feels good to be here. Good to be with you all. Uh, I've been maintaining a streak, and it started when I was in high school. Um, and uh, I've been maintaining this ever since. When I started high school, I had in my head the worst thing that I could do entering a new school at the bottom of the social ladder would be to fall down the stairs. So I told myself, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't fall down the stairs. People will point and laugh at you and you'll be forever branded as the dummy who, who fell down the stairs. I made it all the way through high school without falling down the stairs. Numerous times I saw others fall, but I myself did not fall. I entered college. Uh, maintained the streak, went to a university that was in downtown Atlanta. There were many stairs that I had to ascend and descend, both in the parking structures and in the buildings themselves. And, and uh, there I never fell down the stairs, not once, not one time. Uh, I've become very adept at using stairs. I, I use the handrail because that's what it's for. You use the handrail for in the event that you stumble, you can catch yourself before falling all the way down the stairs. So I've been on the streak for some 35, 40 years. And uh, it may even be longer than that. Truthfully, the last time I remember falling down the stairs was uh, when I was very little. Uh, my family and I, we lived in this narrow townhome in San Francisco. It's three stories tall. So there was uh, all kinds, there's three stairs. And I remember as a child falling down the stairs many times in that home. And it was a straight shot down every time. There was no landing. It just, and I just remember falling for a long time. And so there's no telling how long the street goes back. Uh, and I've maintained that streak until about two weeks ago. <laughs> Fortunately, I was at home. Uh, and truth be told, that's the only fortunate component of my tumble. Uh, we have a room that's over, the, uh, uh, that's over the garage, and that's where the family and I gather to watch movies and TV shows and whatnot. We had just finished watching something, and, and when we gather to watch something, a movie, a TV show, whatever, we, ha we have snacks with us because that's, that's what we do. And, and, and we finished, uh, we, we, all, we all started heading our way, making our way down the stairs. Now, I will say, I think there is something wrong with this set of stairs, Yes, there's something wrong with it. I question whether or not they're up to code because they seem awfully narrow. They seem like narrow stairs. And as I descended the stairs, in my, in my left hand was a Costco-sized bag of pistachio nuts, which fortunately was sealed. But in my right hand was a bowl of discarded pistachio shells, which was not uh, covered. And so I was walking down with my hands full, and I was in my socks, and I, my feet just slipped. They, 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 they were swept up from underneath me. And my, my bottom was the first thing to touch down. And when I hit, it, it didn't stop. It, it had to skip down at least three or four other stairs. Another thing, when I hit the stairs, I want you to know that I made a noise. And this noise was really one of the more humiliating things about the whole ordeal. When I made this noise, it was a, it was a distinct sound 
a sound that I think only an old man would make, something between a, a grunt and a gasp, okay? And it was loud. And, uh, and because if you want to know if you want to know if you're old or not, I've, I've said this for a long time, if you want to know if you're old or not, when you fall down, if people point and laugh at you like when I was in high school, you are young. But when you fall down, if people have sudden grave concern for you, you know you're old. And my son, my son was like, Dad, are you okay? Right? Is exactly what he said. Now, if all that weren't humiliating enough, I mentioned that in my right hand was a, I was holding a bowl of discarded pistachio shells. So it wasn't shells. It wasn't bad enough that I fell, but my fall was accompanied by a parade of pistachio confetti. Pistachio shells went everywhere as I fell down and made like an applause noise as, it, as they everywhere. They were just flying everywhere. My wife came running from around the corner, uh, and once she knew that I wasn't dead, she said. Just go walk it off. I'll, I'll clean all this up. I'll clean all this up. So this, this happened right before I went on vacation. Right before I went on vacation. We were leaving the next day. And let me tell you, uh, it hurt to sit. It hurt to sit. Uh, all week long. All week long. It, it still hurts a bit, in fact. Uh, so, so there's nothing like bruising your tailbone right before preparing for an eight-hour car ride. Okay? That was great. Let me tell you. So why am I telling all this? What, is that, what does this have to do with our, our lesson in uh, Ephesians today? I'm going to get to that, but I want you to hold on to that story. I want you to hold on to that story as we proceed. Uh, imagine me falling down the stairs and then being, being sore all week long, and you're, you're on vacation. One of the chief objectives of being on vacation is, you know, sitting down. And it hurt <laughs> to sit down all week long, all week long. Even on the car ride back, you know, you're, you're supposed to sit square like this, right? I had, to, I had to do this somehow and keep going back and forth. We even got a, uh, a cushion shaped in like a donut, and uh, that, didn't work, that didn't work very well. But anyway, if you haven't already, go ahead and turn your Bibles to the first chapter of Ephesians, or you can follow along with me up here to grab a little context. We'll start with verse 15 and read through the end of the chapter. This is Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15 and following. Ephesians 1, verse 15 and following. Okay, nice long passage. But for this reason, it says, Ephesians 1, 15, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the Lord, the God of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eye of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us, who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he, was ra when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the, in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's our text for today. And uh, that's God's word. And in it, there are two main concepts we want to talk about today. Two main concepts. Uh, just two. And I, th I think it'll be plenty. The two things that I want us to contemplate in this chunk from Ephesians are the words knowledge and authority. Knowledge and authority. Those will be our two main headings for today for those of you uh, jotting down notes or just trying to organize it in your mind. So first off, we, we picked up in the middle of the thought. We started verse 15 with Paul saying, for this reason. 
He says, for this reason. And, and that's, that's mid-thought. So as we begin verse 15, for this reason, what's the thought or, or, or what's the thought he's coming off of? It's a bit of what we've already talked about in the last several weeks. Uh, that again, this is a letter to the church. Okay, Paul's writing a letter to the church. Uh, and he's telling this church that they've received every spiritual blessing. We've been adopted. We've been grafted into the family of Christ. That means we behold the fullness of Christ. We have his inheritance. We have the inheritance of Christ. We have his righteousness. When the Father looks at you, when the Father looks at you, even though you still struggle with sin, when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see someone who requires judgment. Okay? He sees righteousness. He sees the righteousness of his son. That's your inheritance. That's your status. That's your position before God the Father. How fully you've been grafted in. And this has been set forth, we've been told in previous verses, from the foundation of the world. This is set forth from the foundation of the world, and it's been sealed permanently and guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. The fact that you believe, even though some days you, you don't feel very righteous, the fact that you believe even your belief is a gift of the Spirit and His presence in you is the guarantee, it's the seal that, will, that, that uh, he, he promises to bring you uh, to completion. And because of that, Paul is now engaging in a prayer. He's engaging in a prayer uh, giving thanks for the work in Christ that, that began in you. He has this prayer for the Ephesians and you. So this is Paul's prayer for you. What's his prayer? Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. There it is, knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know knowledge. What is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us in who uh, believe, in us who, toward us who believe. This is, this is what Paul prays for you, that you may know. What, what is it that Paul exactly wants you to know? What knowledge does Paul want you to have? Something that uh, impressed me right away when Tracy and I first became parents, and it may seem obvious at first, but hear me out, is how utterly dependent the baby is upon you right? Tracy gave birth to this little baby, and, and he seemed to cry for two, day, two days straight in the hospital. And after that, they just sent us home with him. <laughs> they said, he's yours now. You take him. You take him. What do we do? <laughs> You'll figure it out. And, and, and they just sent us home as brand new parents. And there was this moment of, okay, here goes. And from that moment on, we, we literally had to do everything for him. We had to do everything for him, right? He couldn't do anything for himself. And here's the thing that you may or may not realize, no matter how much you pour into that child, even 17 years later, it's never, ever enough, right? It's never enough. We now have a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old, and, and, and neither one of them have come to us, have come to a place where they say, okay, I'm good. That's all the attention I could ever use or need. I'm satisfied. I'm perfectly full in that regard. I've got it from here. No, they still, they still depend on us to this very day. Every day, I, I promise you every day my oldest son wakes up, mom, what's for dinner? Every single day, every single day. We'll be eating dinner and he's asking about mom, what's the next? I mean, like, he's utterly dependent upon us, right? Uh, and here's the question. At what point do we grow out of that? At what point do we grow out of our our need or our dependence for love, affection, support from other people. At what point do we grow out of that? You never do. You never do. Why? Why do we continually crave to be loved? We don't ever want to not be loved. And this is why. 
as human beings, we are created, we are a created being made in the image of God. And I'm sure you've seen this quote before from, I think I have it up here, Blaise Pascal. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by the God, by God the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. Here's what he's saying. There's this void that can only fully and satisfactorily be filled by God to make us complete. That's the only thing that can make us complete. And we, in our natural state, we try and fill that vacuum with anything and everything. Some of us, just like a child, we want to fill it from, with, the, with the love of our parents. And what happens when the child doesn't get that attention from their parents? Do they remain satisfied? Oh, well, I guess I don't get that. No. They try and find it from any other source, any other source they can. They'll go to whoever will give it to them. If you don't give love and affection to your child, they will go find it from somewhere else. They'll go seek it out somewhere else. But here's the kicker. We aren't any different as adults. That's what Blaze is saying here. We're, we're no different. We do the very same thing as, as unsatisfied creatures who seek to fill that God-shaped vacuum. Where do we go? Any number of places. Sometimes we try and, and fill it chemically. Sometimes we, we try and, and fill it with money or, or pornography or food or success or power or approval or, or whatever. Fill in the blank. We're bottomless pits when it comes to needing affirmation, assurance, and love. We're bottomless pits. And so this is what is Paul's prayer for us. Knowledge. Knowledge. That we may know the knowledge of him and that we may know what is the hope to which he has called you. This is his prayer for you. And so, and so what does that do? The word knowledge uh, in the Bible is a richer word than knowledge in English. And you never get a better sense of that when you first start reading the Bible and you come across something, particularly in the, uh, in the uh, old King James Version, that says, Adam knew Eve. What does that mean? What, do, what does it mean he knew her? The Bible uses no knowledge for intimacy. It wasn't just a polite translation in the, in the, in the King James. Now think about this. When you first, when you first meet someone, you, you gather knowledge. You, you gather information. That's knowledge. Then what happens when you gather information? You move on to a personal encounter. So when Paul says, I pray that you might know, know what? Know what? That you're called by him. I pray that you might know that you have glory waiting for you as your inheritance. I pray that you might know that you have power. These, are, these people are Christians that he's talking to. They, they supposedly already know Jesus. Yes, these people already know Jesus. Perhaps they don't know Jesus, intimacy with Jesus. And, and here's what that means, and we've already touched on this a time or two over the last several weeks, but it can't hurt to mention it again. Uh, here's what it means. If you're a Christian and you're upset or disappointed that God hasn't given you something, look at this. Look at this, okay? Look what Paul is saying here. He, he's saying your real complaint, your real problem is, is that you don't know what he's given you. And I'm not saying count your blessings, that yeah, if you're in a bad circumstance now, go count your blessings. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying that the circumstances you're in, that's what he gave you. That's what he provided you, okay? I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So, so you have to imagine all the problems that these people would have been suffering from whom, whom Paul was writing and, and from whom he was praying. 
think about them, they probably had in the early church economic problems, social problems, physical problems, relational problems, and Paul has the audacity to only pray for one thing, that you might know him better. That's the solution to your, your economic, your social, your, your physical, all those things, that you might know him better, okay? So what you need to realize here is Paul is praying that you would stand in front of every event in your life, every event in your life, and say, I don't know the specific reason for this event, but I know the, the general reason. The basic business of life is to know God better, and the basic and most foundational purpose for every event and situation and problem in my life is that I might know him better. The reason for this problem, the reason for this tragedy, the reason for this joy, the reason for, for any of it is, is, to, is, is to look beyond it and see that the reason is that I might know him better. Now, let's circle back around to my fall down the stairs, okay? Let's really try and pick this apart in light of what Paul is trying to tell us here. Why did it happen? Why did it happen? You know, it was really irritating that it happened. My whole vacation, it bothered me. I'm supposed to rest on vacation. I felt uncomfortable in a beach chair because I fell down the stairs the day before I left for vacation. Why did that have to happen to me? You see, we tend to ask these questions about the big events in life. You know, when we lose someone, we suffer a tragedy. Why did this have to happen? But do you ever ask that about the mundane in your life, like falling down the stairs or cutting your finger or having, having a migraine headache, those kind of things. Why, 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 does, why do those things have to happen? You know, why? Does someone want to give me any insight here? What, what can I learn? What, what could the God of the universe be trying to teach me in falling down the stairs the day before vacation so that my tailbone hurts all week long? What is, what is the lesson in that? Is there a lesson in that? Or is that, oh, well, fallen world, no pun intended. <laughs> someone want to offer something? Say again. <laughs> Say it again. Old age, is Old age is coming. Okay. You know what? Because I, I put a lot of thought into this. I really did. And there may be something to that. We, we tend to think of ourselves as forever young. We tend to think of ourselves as indestructible. And you know what? We are not. We are, we are broken. We live in a fallen world. And maybe, maybe just a suggestion here, Maybe this is one of God's subtle reminders to me that, you know what, you're, you're, you're getting older. You're getting older, and, and maybe, maybe I need to remind you for a week of that, a, a week, so that you don't become so dependent upon yourself and, and your ability, your strength, and become more dependent on me. So, yeah, maybe there is something to that, just getting old. That maybe, I hate to say this, maybe this is the first of many to come. So be careful. You know, be careful because you know what? You are not strong enough in and of yourself. You know, my weakness points to his strength. Again, I put a lot of thought into this all week long. It was a persistent reminder as I sat down. Why did this have to happen? Yeah. Another thing might be that you forgot to hold the rail. Maybe it's that I forgot to hold the rail, or maybe it's that I shouldn't walk downstairs with my hands full of pistachio nuts. That could be the other thing too, right? Someone else? Any other idea? Why did this have to happen? And again, not necessarily just in my situation, but any situation in life where we, we face some sort of discomfort or... I just think that... As much as I want and need a vacation, I need more than a vacation. What do I need? I need Jesus Christ. As much as I think going on vacation solves all my problems, 
falling down the stairs and, and having my bottom hurt for a week makes me think about what do I really need? What, does, does vacation solve my problems? Or, or is there something beyond that that I need more? What is my internal inheritance? You know, what, what am I really dependent upon? What will really satisfy? A week in, in, uh, in the beach? Or do I need something more? Point to something more. See, everything, everything that you face is of eternal consequence. Everything. There's nothing that you face that doesn't somehow prepare you for, or doesn't sanctify you more, or that doesn't point toward the eternal inheritance that awaits you. Okay? Any other thoughts? Any other analysis on my fall down the stairs? Okay, there's still more. This is great. I'm learning so much, and I'm so glad I fell down the stairs. Profound, profound, because you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling, I, Tracy and I, we always try and quantify, you know, if one of us are sick, you know, where are you today? I'm at 82%. Or if she's feeling really bad, she'll say 41. I'm not doing, not doing too good. And again, you know what? I, I quantify my pain. It, it, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad. Look, I can walk around. I can still, still drive for eight hours, even though I have to shift back and forth. But you know what? There's people who live with persistent chronic pain all the time. There's no escape from it. There's, 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 a, there's a number of things that, that, that uh, oh gosh, I, I was meeting with someone just the week before I left on vacation who's in chronic pain. And, and, uh, and the doctors have, have all but done everything they can for him. And so what do you do? What do you do? My, my situation really is nothing. It provides sympathy and empathy. It, it creates an awareness. Great answer. Anyone else? All right, one more. How the, how the body of Christ shows up for you in your moment of weakness. Uh, Tracy provided me with that donut-shaped pillow. But you know what? Uh, I, I, I talk about the medical incident that I had some six, seven years ago uh, when, when I uh, was, was hospitalized, and I, I've never been so profoundly blown over by the body of Christ and how they showed up and how people like in this church that I'd literally never spoken to before but maybe worked in that hospital and came to see me, came to check on me, uh, text messages, emails, prayers, uh, visits. It was overwhelming. And, and I think about our, our, uh, our friend, um, uh, Eric uh, Wheeler, Eric Wheeler, uh, same thing. And I, and, I, and, I said, and I said the same thing to Sarah Catherine, his wife. I said, you just, just wait. I know this is, this is a terrible circumstance because he just had uh, quadruple bypass surgery, very you know, unexpected at his age. But just wait, I said. Wait how the church is going to show up. And they did. The church has shown up, not in encouragement, in meals, and prayers, and everything. That's one of the beauty, beautiful things of, of being a part of the body of Christ. When you're in community, when you invest in, in the community of Christ, don't be as surprised when it, when it gives back to you. Now, that's not why you do it. It's just a byproduct, right? I'm going to join the church just so I get all these free meals. No. But don't be surprised by it when it happens. That's, that's being part of the body of Christ. When you invest in the body of Christ, it, it has a way of giving itself back to you. Great answer. 
All right, let's let's uh, let's keep going. That uh, that uh, that's great. Uh, uh, I love all those things that uh, we've talked about. And again, it provides insight for whatever it is you're facing, however serious you think it might be or however mundane you might think it, it is. It all points to something. It all moves. It's all part of your sanctification, okay? So that's knowledge, knowledge of the Father, a deep, deep understanding, but not just knowledge, but a person-to-person understanding of, of what his intention is for everything that transpires in your life, that you might know him better. It all points to the knowledge of him, Okay. So that's knowledge. Let's talk a little bit about authority. This is the other topic we wanted to be sure we covered today in this chunk of verses, verses 20 and following. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the, in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. In these verses, we read that that Christ has authority over two things mentioned here, and really the first covers the second as well, but the first thing is he has authority over uh, now, he's over every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. All things under his feet, so basically that's everything. He has authority over everything. Christ has authority over everything, and the other thing he mentions is the church which is a part of everything. If we're drawing Venn diagrams, right? Church fits within the Venn diagram of of everything. And yes, he's head over the church, but ultimately it's not just the church, it's everything. Now, if you're like me, early on in my uh, Christian walk, this is something I had to wrestle with because I, I think I had this tendency to think that sure, one day, one day Christ would be ruler and king over all, but not right now, not right now. Right now, the devil is still having his way. Uh, but eventually Christ will come and put him in his place. And at that time, then he'll truly have authority over all. Well, that's not what Paul is telling us. Paul is telling us something different here. He's telling us of his authority in this age, now, but also in the one to come. He's in control over everything right now. Right now. So he's governing the world now? How can we say that Christ governs the world now when it seems like so much is wrong with it? Right? Well, we see the evidence of his authority in two two ways. They both come by way of his grace. They both come uh, and occur as a result of the grace of God. There's common grace and there's special grace, okay? Common grace and special grace. He governs the world and gives evidence of authority by way of common grace and special grace. Every once in a while, I'll find myself uh, quite unintentionally, I promise, quite unintentionally engaged in in a debate online. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, not so long ago, there was this article about a celebrity, and, uh, and this article mentioned his, his faith, the celebrity's faith. So naturally, I wanted to read a little bit about it. It piqued my interest. And the focus wasn't entirely on, on this uh, person's faith, but, it, but, but they did mention it. So there was this article, and then after the article, of course, they opened it up for comment, so people can comment on, on whatever they want to. And, uh, and boy, people did not hold back. And again, the focus of the article was not his faith, but it mentioned his faith, but all the comments seem to center around the celebrity's faith, okay? And it de- de- evolved into this, this debate about the existence of God. I bet you the author that, of this article had no idea what they were, what they were about to uh, uh, encounter in way the, the comment section. And as far as comments go, if you want to engage in, in these sort of debates, you have to be succinct because no one, no one wants to read an encyclopedia's worth of information in a comment section. 
So you have to be succinct. You have to be pointed with your, your words because no one, everyone will skip over the long stuff. I do that. I'm like, ah, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to, give me, the, give, me, give me your main point, right? And so, uh, of course, you know, one of the, the first things that came up in my participation headed towards something to the effect of, if there is no God, what's the point of anything, okay? If this is all, if this is all there is, the natural world that we, as we can see and observe, why not just grab what you can? Why not just grab what you can as much as you can? It doesn't matter if anyone gets hurt along the way, just absolutely get the most out of it because at the end, we all just die and end up decomposing and, and being made into dust again. If that's all there is, why not just grab the most that you can? And of course, the counter to that argument was you don't have to believe in God to know the difference between right and wrong, to have a desire to do right over wrong. And that point is absolutely right. You don't have to be a Christian to have moral, to be a moral person. Well, my response was something to the effect of, well, who defines what's right and wrong? Who defines what's right and wrong? Where does the standard of right and wrong come from? And one, of the resp one response in particular was along the lines of, it's innate. In other words, it's just there. Humans are of higher intelligence and their ability to discern right and wrong is just there. Well, without detailing the rest of our, of our debate, uh, he was partially right about that. Because what, what he was describing, in effect, is what we call common grace. This is common grace. Common grace is great gifts of God like goodness, wisdom, uh, beauty, um, and, and even a sense of right and wrong, even though many might ignore it, okay? They aren't the kind of gifts that, that, that convert people. That would, that would be special, uh, special grace, Okay, it's not a converting grace, but all wisdom is from God. Beauty is from God. Skill is from God. Goodness is from God. The Bible teaches us that these gifts are given to all kinds of people all over the place, regardless of whether they believe in them or not. That's common grace, okay? In Romans 2, Paul tells us that God has put in the consciences of every human being an innate understanding of his law. If, if, if only the person that I knew that I was engaged in this back and forth with knew he was arguing over a biblical concept. I'm like, you're right. You're, you're now arguing the Bible. Now, here's an example. This is a, uh, in Isaiah 45. We read about a king named Cyrus who was a Persian king and a pagan king. He didn't acknowledge the Lord God of Israel. But in Isaiah 45, God tells us that uh, through Isaiah that Cyrus is anointed prince and that Cyrus was anointed with the Holy Spirit for uh, world leadership by God. And yet he's a pagan, okay, common grace. He was a good king, thanks be to God, even though he wasn't a, what we would call now a Christian, okay? This is what common grace is. It's how God's spirit is in the world, constantly seeking to keep us from being as wicked as we, we possibly can be, because we would. If it were just up to us and what we are made of, the world would be as sinful as, as you could possibly imagine. And the fact that it isn't that, is because of God's common grace. He keeps the world from being as, as uh, an unlivable place as it ought to be. He does this through the, the saved and the unsaved alike, okay? If there's someone out there who's moral and isn't a Christian, that is common grace. Uh, James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So what does that mean on a practical level? Uh, are you all familiar with that movie, uh, Amadeus? It's, it's a movie from back in the 80s. 
but it's, it was sort of the, I guess, uh, loosely based on the real, uh, the true story of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and, and, uh, and Amadeus had a, a rival uh, named Salieri. Salieri was a good, good, good person. You know, he followed the Lord. Uh, he, uh, he, he followed all the commandments. And yet, in terms of talent, uh, he wasn't quite as good as Mozart. In fact, Mozart, well, Mozart was one of the greatest musicians the world has ever known. And he was a, well, he wasn't a, a follower of, of the Lord. Uh, and, and, and so Salieri just had this real difficulty with why, 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 why do I do the right things? Why do I do the right things? And he's the one that ends up with the talent. Have you ever been in a struggle like that? Does, does that ever keep you up at night? You know, everything comes by way of achievement, uh, but it isn't human achievement, right? Everything, even the gifts that someone like Mozart had, is by the authority of God. It's common grace, whether they know it or not. Now, does it help you sleep at night to know that, well, they are more talented than I am, common grace? That makes me feel better. Does it? Does it? No. Okay, Salieri, if he was really a Christian, he would say, but I have special grace. I have special grace. The special grace might not make me a musical genius, but it is going to make me something much, much, much better. I share an inheritance with Jesus Christ. He's changing me. He loves me. And that means someday I'm going to be something so much greater than even the greatest musical genius in the history of the world. Meanwhile, I can enjoy what he's given to people like Mozart, right? You see that? If you have special grace working in you, you realize that what you're gonna become is far greater than the best musical genius or the best entrepreneur or, or, or having the biggest house in, in Nashville. Uh, meanwhile, it's still there for us. It's there for us to enjoy. All these other things are there for us to enjoy. If there's beauty in our world to enjoy, it's because of common grace and that's been given to you. But at the end of the day, you have special grace, which far supersedes anything in the, in, the, in the common grace realm. Okay, you see, it's common grace that points us to special grace. The common grace reminds us of where we're headed, but there's more to it. Uh, let's see, let's, uh, we have to wrap this up now. Common grace reminds us of where we're headed. Um, the gospel says that, there's this, that if there's this upstanding moral pillar of the community, and here you have this dysfunctional, broken wreck of a person. And in God's sight, they're both lost. Here's the payoff. Which one is more ready to hear the gospel? Right? Jesus shows us his authority over everything. And it should totally humble us. It humbles us, yet it encourages us. We're, we're, we're encouraged because ultimately, it's all for us. This is true for all of us. Everything that's happening for us, is, is Mozart is for us. A king like Cyrus is for us. Great kings and queens and presidents, they're for us, okay? God says, though, it's for my chosen ones. It's for my church. It's for my sons and daughters, my brothers and sisters that I'm doing this. I scatter these gifts of goodness and wisdom and greatness with, with both hands. And this is how I continue to keep in charge of the world and keep evil restrained and make, make this a place that is still a place of beauty and goodness and wisdom. And even under the circumstances of the fall of man, the fact that there's any goodness at all is a blatant sign of God's authority. 
He's in authority over all of it, okay? Let me close with this, uh, this verse, and then we can open up for a few questions. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just read it for you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 21 tells us, all things are yours, whether life or death or present or future. Okay, what does that mean? It means that Jesus is head over everything, everything. And the prosperity and, uh, and even adversity, tragedy, the, the, the life, uh, uh, joys that come into your life, all of it, all of it is working for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. That's from Romans, Romans 8. He's in control of all of it, and, and he's moving, moving you towards him and making you know him and be more and more like him in spite of how that might look on the surface, okay? Let's, let's stop there and, and see what other questions or comments you have. Do you, do you get this, the, the understanding that his authority is shown to us by his grace, by his grace over everything, common grace and special grace? Any, any thoughts, comments, questions, observations? Absolutely. Elon Musk does not profess to be a Christian, uh, but yet he, he, if he speaks a truth, if he speaks something that uh, uh, is reflective of uh, God's creation and the way he ordered it, I mean, male and female, yes, that's an example of common grace. And so even though he might be uh, a pagan, uh, the fact that he speaks any truth at all is a result of, of God's grace. Because again, if the Lord just let us loose to do, to be unrestrained evil, the world would look a lot worse than it is even now. So the fact that there's any goodness at all, that anyone would speak any truth at all, is because of God's common grace. And evidence that he has authority over everything, even someone like wealthy Elon Musk. Someone else? Thought? Comment? Question? No? Well, all right. If, you, if there's anything else you want to talk about or struggling with or, or want a clarification on, please come see me. Come talk to me afterwards and, uh, or anytime during the week. I'm here all week, back from vacation, sitting crooked in my chair in my office, okay? You feel better now? I do. Uh, see, I feel like I'm uh, at 81%. 81%, yeah. <laughs> 81%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on to that handrail, people, I'm telling you. How often am I at 100%? Uh, never, but 95 pretty consistently. I feel like I feel pretty good most of the time, right? Any other questions? <laughs> Let's pray. Dear, oh, yes, Rob, Rob. You have, is this about my tailbone or is this a, a serious question? Here you go. Of course. I think that sometimes maybe someone says, wow, this is so amazing. God provided me a great parking place at the front of the grocery store. And they're telling that to someone who was abused by a parent, mm -hmm. uh, brutally neglected in other ways or hurt by someone or suffered a 
tragedy that they cannot make sense of and they may never make sense mm-hmm. of. And so I think that to just allow back to your tailbone, I, I want to make sure to get back there. Just to say um, No pun intended. I don't I don't know exactly I, I'm not hundred percent sure I know if it was about not carrying pistachio seeds or if or shells or you know, I, I'm not exactly sure. But I, I sense God's kindness to me in areas and even in the ones that are the most painful. And sometimes most powerfully in the ones that are the most painful. So And I fully uh, support those thoughts. This is why I say that we may not know specific reasons for anything that may happen to us, but we do know general. We know generally speaking. And again, we may be entirely wrong about all those uh, 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 conclusions we made about why I fell down the stairs. You know, I think there's good lessons to be learned in there, but is that the specific reason why God allowed that to happen? Don't know. Pretty good educated guess. But again, I can always fall back on the general reason. The, The general reason for anything that happens to me good or bad, is, is for the purpose of my sanctification, is, is moving me towards uh, the completion of all things in Jesus Christ. That you can be assured of, whatever it is you're facing, but excellent, excellent comments. Let me close this in prayer because we have people coming in and they're going to think that I've taken over the church here. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank you uh, for the promises of your word. Uh, we thank you that they are good. We thank you that they are true. We thank you that they are never misleading, but always point us toward the true source of, of knowledge and authority. It's Jesus Christ. Help us to remember that. And help us to frame our lives around that uh, so that whatever we face, good or bad, uh, we know that we are under the protection and under the guidance uh, of a holy God and a Savior who loves us and gave himself for us. Help us to reflect that in all that we say and do. Now we pray these things in the name of Christ and for his sake we pray them. Amen. Thank you all.